Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, November 20th. Receive praise good-humoredly. Reflect that whatever compliments you receive today may become brickbats tomorrow. Even deserved praise, if accepted too personally, may only add to one's already heavy burden of self-definitions. In your quest for happiness, neglect no opportunity to lighten that load. Oh, Swamiji is so, he's so free in his just his whole approach to life. He's just, the way he lives, and the way he lives is the example for all of us. He just, you know, angels fly because they take themselves lightly. It's a, it's a common cliche by this point, but it's absolutely the truth. And it, the more we sort of depend for our sense of self-worth and our happiness, for the fact that everybody else looks at us and thinks we're such hot stuff, you know, it's just... It just doesn't work. For one thing, people's opinions, they just come and they go. Um, Swamiji, uh, as an author, he was also was always a bookworm. He, he passed away in 2013, so this is in the past. And here in Palo Alto, where I live, actually some of our community members had ran this huge used bookstore. Absolutely a marvelous place. I mean, this was just as e-things e- were coming in, you know, and of course that whole business was more or less gutted by technological changes. But for a long time, if you wanted books, you would go into that store and it was just heaven for bookworms. You'd wander around. And there was a particular mystery writer that Swamiji really liked. Her name was Helen McGinnis. And she was enormously popular when she was popular. I mean, she wrote many, many books and they were all bestsellers. It just, you know, just like she was a literary phenomenon. And in a used bookstore, there was like, you know, multiple shelves of her books, many, many copies of her books. Swamiji said, on one hand, I love going to used bookstores and finding treasures and reading and taking them home. On another, as an author, it's a little depressing, he says, to just see all your books just piled on the shelf. You know, now they've just become compost. Um, but what was so interesting is that Helen McGinnis was enormously popular and nobody, very few people even know who she is now. Um, Marie Corelli, enormously popular. Nobody, nobody knows her name anymore. These, you just, you're a phenomenon like that and then you're gone. Like, what do you have? What you have is who you are. What you have is the great artistic work that you did, or the mediocre artistic work, or the, you know, the popular work that you did. I don't think Helen McGinnis was great literature, but she wrote darn good stories. Just really good stories, if you're ever in the mood for that kind of a read. Mystery stories and spy stories and things like that. Wonderful books. Marie Corelli wrote more, she, she was followed more exalted themes. Hers were much more spiritually minded books, but also just very popular, very good read. I don't think it's great art, but it, it was good. Swami Kriyananda, who, who thought the Beatles were okay, he wasn't really against the Beatles, he was very impressed, though, when someone said, I think to John Lennon, do you think the music of the Beatles will live? And John said, 
I don't know, why would it? <laughs> and Swami just appreciated that. Like, instead of thinking that, you know, we have this great thing that everybody in the world has to love forever, we're having a wonderful time. We're spreading joy. If it has value, it will last. And it's not going to last because everybody around me tells me that they like it and like me. It's going to last if it has inherent merit and will be of benefit to people. It will be discovered or it will be remembered. It will never be forgotten. Autobiography of a Yogi, Yogananda's book, which was published in 1946, is still regularly makes the bestseller list in multiple languages in multiple countries because it's, it's a scripture. It's a, it's a divine story about a true spiritual search. But Yogananda Master did not write that for the sake of the praise. He wrote it how to serve humanity. And that, that power of service behind it is what gives it meaning. And that's what Swamiji would always say. That's the way you take, it's one of the ways you take praise lightly. It's, it's in the Bhagavad Gita, one of the fundamental principles described in that Indian scripture for happiness and freedom is called Nishkam Karma. And that means action without desire for the fruits of that action. Now, don't misunderstand that. If you're creating something, the excellence of what you create is, is what you're doing. But you're doing it for the sake of being a channel for that kind of power, not for everybody afterwards saying how good you were and everybody afterwards praising you for being so wonderful. And then when everybody praises you for being wonderful, then when you sit down again the next time to do anything, as Swami put it, he said in his entire life, he, he has never had writer's block, which is pretty notable. But he said the only time he did it was when someone said to him, oh, your prose is so beautiful, it's, it's, it's just like Shakespeare. You write as well as Shakespeare. And Swami said when he sat down to write that day, he had somewhere in the back of his mind, well, first he said he just found he could not make any of the sentences work. He would rearrange the words, he would change it, he would do this. Nothing was working. And finally he realized that there was this little thought, the memory of that, that comment, and the thought, mustn't disappoint my public. And so instead of writing for the sake of what he was trying to create, all of a sudden he's writing for the effect that it's going to have on other people. And he said just all his inspiration just completely went away from him, just like that. And he, so he laughed and just put that thought aside, and he said immediately, the writing flow was there. So Swami also writes about, you know, this heavy burden of self-definitions. And this is why in the Bible it says, be therefore like little children, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. You know, the fun about little children is they, they don't have this sort of self-conscious self-importance. They'll, you know, dress up, wrap themselves in scarves and pick up an artificial flower and, you know, mommy, mommy, watch me dance. And then they'll just, with such freedom, they'll just move around. Here's an interesting, um, just a thought that someone said. Often when little children um, do something like dancing or make a painting or, uh, or sing, they often or may actually not be living in their incarnation as a child, but maybe living in the memory of some incarnation in which, in fact, they were great dancers or they were great singers. I had two very odd and interesting experiences like that when I was a child. I have, I've never trained 
really much in anything except Swami trained me in writing. But um, I took dance classes when I was quite small, and I, I really loved I really loved it. I really have a feeling for it. And I remember being six years old in my recital when I was six, and I remember the pink tutu with the silver ribbon, and I remember the silver bows in my hair, and I remember how fantastic I was. Just, I can feel it. I was so, I was so good. And uh, that was just how I felt about it forever. And I mean, you know, into adulthood, that's how I felt about it. And then I found at my parents' house a picture of me at the age of six in that pink tutu with the silver ribbons and the little bows in my hair. You know, it was just, well, I just looked, you know, I looked like I was six. I didn't really look like Margot Fontaine or anyone like that. I just was what I was. But inside myself, it was very different. And knowing about past lives and having had multiple other experiences, I remember it. I really did remember it. The other one was even odder because dance I've always had a feeling for, even though I've done very little. But when I was about four years old, my next door neighbor and I, um, we made sculpture out of mud. And my sculpture, I sculpt my piece, my piece, I remember, was three balls piled on top of each other. I can still see it out of mud, three balls out of each other. And I really needed that to be cast. And I was, I was carried it to my mother. I tried to explain to her that we needed to put it in the oven, you know, and I, it's not clear to me whether I wanted it cast in, like, in the kiln to be pottery. I think I wanted it cast in bronze. And it was extremely important that we had to preserve it we had to preserve it by making it into bronze. And I remember my frustration at being unable to get my mother to understand how important it was to bronze my sculpture like this. I've never had any relationship to sculpture, sculpture except that. But the memory is so vivid in my consciousness. I mean, I, I, I believe now. It was just a memory. It was a memory of when I would, would make something. It was certainly important to me. And I, I had this feeling it was important because the sculptures that I made had significance. Who knows? Who knows about any of that? But we carry all these self-definitions within us. And they, they free us in the sense that they give us confidence. You know, they, they give us the confidence to just step forward and learn and do things and present ourselves because this is who I am. And on the other side, they just weigh us down because this is who I am, this is who I am. So Swami says, quite simply, receive praise good-humoredly. Just accept it. Don't say, if somebody says you spoke beautifully, you, you danced beautifully, you played your instrument beautifully. If you did, you did. But take it lightly. Oh, I'm so glad you enjoyed it. The, the, the best way i found to turn a compliment is just say that. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. I don't even say thank you. Like, thank you? What does that mean? It's like, you've told me I'm good and I'm so grateful that you told me that I'm good. Like, am I waiting here for you to pay me for what the work I just did? I don't, I don't really like thank you. What I really am is I'm so glad you enjoyed it. Because for heaven's sakes, that's why I'm doing it. I'm doing it so that it will be a benefit. And if you felt it was benefit, you've done me a favor. Because now my whole purpose in showing up has been fulfilled because, look, I wanted to serve you and offer you a gift, and it, and it looked like it worked. Isn't that delightful? 
And then sometimes that is how I feel. Yes, it did work, didn't it? When I've been part of theater productions or big... Um, I, I like, I like uh, ritual and ceremony and liturgy. I'm that kind of a... Uh, devotees are all different. I don't like formality, but I, I like uh, liturgical theater. And, and when, if we're going to do a ceremony, I really like to think about how to make it beautiful. And I have this wonderful creative people around me who sort of have the same spirit and are beautiful musicians and singers. And we'll put together just for our, you know, just for the joy of doing it. Sometimes these wonderful events. I mean, I've been living in this community for more than 30 years and 16 years prior to that in another Ananda community. And We've done some wonderful things together. So when we put out all that energy, and it's a great joy, yes, wasn't it wonderful? Didn't it turn out well? Wasn't it glorious? Oh, I felt so inspired too. We celebrate. We don't just thank each other back and forth. We celebrate that we opened our hearts to the divine and the divine was able to flow through us. One of my friends has the perfect way of thinking about it because he's very inspiring as a speaker and as a musician. And whenever he does something and people compliment him, he says the way he thinks about it is something inspiring happened and I got to be there. That's how he feels. He didn't never sees himself as the catalyst for it being so beautiful. It, it was beautiful. He could feel it too. You know, he could feel the divine flowing through. He was also inspired. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it wonderful that God blesses us with these experiences instead of, well, yes, of course, because after all, I was there. Swami Kriyananda talks about, he loves to tell this story. He was part of a, uh, what they used to call, I think it was called the Meeting of the Ways. This was like in the 70s and 80s. They would bring different spiritual teachers from different spiritual paths together. This was in the heyday. This was all happening in San Francisco, the heyday of sort of the influx of Eastern spirituality into America during those years. And Swami was part of one of those big public programs, and as part of the public program, there was also a smaller gathering, you know, like a, a meet and greet, sort of, with where all the speakers were present and so on. And so Swamiji was mingling, and he, he, he never had a... Uh, he never had a... Pre, pre, uh, I don't know what the word is, but he, 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 he always dressed in an ordinary way. He was American, for one thing, so you couldn't pick him out of a crowd because most of the other teachers were Indian. So him being American was one thing. He would almost always dress in Western clothes, for, except for very formal occasions. And he just had a very humble demeanor. And he was speaking with some, a woman that he just met there, and they were talking. And um, finally, they, he said, you know, what is your name? And she told him, and then he said his name, that he's Swami Kriyananda. And the woman said but you're famous. And Swami said, well, I may be known. He said, why the but? And she said, well, every other famous person I've ever met seemed important. (laughs) And Swami said he absolutely loved that because, of course, what she meant was self-important. And so he didn't have any of that demeanor. He considered that to be a great compliment and was very pleased. That's who we want to be, no matter who we are. We're not important. Only divine is important. We can enjoy being an instrument of God, but it just makes us closer to Him rather than more distant in our egoic selves. So, receive praise good-humoredly. 
Reflect that whatever compliments you receive today may become brickbats tomorrow. Even deserved praise, if accepted too personally, may only add to one's already heavy burden of self-definitions. In your quest for happiness, neglect no opportunity to lighten the load. God bless you, my friend. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners, so if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation, or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.